Hi, welcome to the Grief Awakening Podcast. My name is Elise Duzo, and I'm a grief coach and Reiki practitioner here in Nashville, Tennessee. I help guide others who are grieving to reignite their relationships with their loved ones on the other side, helping them ease the ache of grief. This is a podcast where we can have open conversations about grief and loss, mediumship, science, and I'll even tell you my story as a young widow. If you like this episode, don't forget to hit that follow button. And if you'd like to reach out to me, feel free to give me a follow on Instagram and intuitively underscore Elise. Enjoy the show. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Grief Awakening. Hope that you all have had a beautiful week so far. Um, Welcome to Friday, if you're listening on the day that this comes out. I don't know about you, but I feel like it's been, emotions have been running high this week. And it might just be me. I feel like so many times, and this I've seen this happen over and over again, when my friends are going through something, when I'm seeing people talk about like the energy going on in the world, like whether there be a retrograde or, you know, a full moon, whatever it is, I always tend to feel the energy after everyone else has already felt it. So what I mean by that is, is like, if it's the week of a full moon and you're feeling like you're going through a lot of contraction or like having a hard time or feeling a little chaotic as full moons will make us feel sometimes, like I'll feel it days after or even like the next week. I always like feel the energy after everyone has already felt it, which is so interesting to me. So like people will be going through a rough time during like those higher energy phases and I'll just be peachy keen, like totally fine. And then I'll feel it later on. And I'm like, oh, okay. I know what you mean now. <laughs> so this was just one of those weeks. Honestly, I woke up Monday morning, like in a really good vibration, really high vibration, feeling so good. And then I went to a meeting. Um, I'm part of a women's group here in Nashville for like business uh, coaching and development. My dear friend, um, Kim Salter hosts this and we're just getting started. We're only a couple weeks in to this group and we went and we did this beautiful practice this past Monday where we did um, a releasing fears and facing our fears, anything like fears around our business. And I chose something like so standard, like so many business owners would have this fear and that's just like a fear of running out of finances or like a lack of finances, right? Um which I think a lot of people have that fear, even if you don't own a business, right? And so we we had these like surface level fears and then kind of took it a couple levels deeper. And we did this beautiful practice where we go into visualization to face our fear. And when I was in this practice, my fear showed up as like a dark blue, like navy blue energy. And it kept, as I'm walking up to it to face my fear, right? it kept changing from the blue energy to a flash of Jared, from the blue energy to a flash of Jared. And this was back and forth until I walked right up to it. And the information I got from the fear, it's not just about a fear of finances being gone or not enoughness. It's a fear of like a lack of, of, a fear of like being unsafe and this other underlying layer to even that is a fear of good things being taken from me. And I think I kept seeing that flash of Jared because truly the underlying thing above all of those fears that I just mentioned is my grief. And 
something so, so pivotal in my life and special to me being taken away. And that feeling of fear of it happening again in the future, whether it be with my business or a future partnership or um, a family or whatever it is, like the fear of all these good things that have the potential to happen for me being taken away. So I know that if you're listening to this and you've lost a partner, or even if you've lost a parent or a child or anybody else, this I feel like this is probably a very common fear. And so I know that if I'm feeling this week, if I'm feeling this this past week, then most of you probably are as well to some degree. And it's just like, it's, there's not anything like I need to do about this immediately. It's just an awareness. But I, of course, got really emotional during this practice because it made me realize that um, so many of the surface level things that I think are bothering me or, you know, I think could go wrong in my life. It's so much more deep rooted than that. And it always comes back to my grief, right? And the loss. So it's just something I'm noticing and working through and trying to release and trust that, you know, I am provided for my life is abundant and there is possibility for all good and beautiful things um, to happen for me and for you. So I just wanted to share that little tidbit from this week, something I, I'm just integrating and taking in. Um, but this week on the show, we are having a Q&A episode I do these every once in a while. If you're a newer listener, you'll have to go back and see some of the older ones. But once every two or three months, I'll put out one of these episodes because it's fun to go on Instagram. And so if you're not following me on Instagram, we need to get on there so you can keep an eye on my face on my stories because that's where I post the Q&A boxes to get the questions for these episodes. And I tend to do it just like a couple days before. So um if you want to be part of the next one or submit a question for the next one, be sure to follow me over there. Um, so I, of course, gathered up some questions earlier this week, and we're going to go through a couple of them, and I'll answer them to the best of my ability, but I kind of let it be a free-for-all, whatever you guys feel like um, getting information on. also open this up to intuitive guidance for people if they want uh, clarity around something. Um, but of course, like personal questions are welcome. Like It's really this is kind of just, you know, about anything. So I just let spirit lead us with this one. So we'll just go ahead and jump into it. Um, I got some really great questions and I picked out like five or six for us to go through. And one of the first ones I saw, which I thought was um, a really great question to ask, because I think many people probably are going through this or asking themselves this question. this person wanted to know or want to know how to figure out what exactly is their blocks that are keeping them from connecting with their intuition. And this is a really interesting thing because I think that, and I hope that all of you know, that we all have an intuition, right? It's our inner knowing, our um, our gut feelings. Our intuition can also be... Um, our mind's eye where we get information in. Some of us are clairvoyant or visuals. Um, You might receive information visually or clairaudiently through your ears, or you just have a deep knowing, which may feel more like a gut sense. 
Um, all of these are intuition. And also your intu- intuition is just like that. Like, it's as simple as when someone asks you, where do you want to go to dinner? The first thing that comes to your mind is probably coming from your intuition, right? But we might bypass that first answer and be like, well, what would what answer would make everyone else happy, right? And you might start going in that direction. So typically, the first answer that comes through to you when you ask yourself a question is your intuition. Your intuition is a calm, uh, calm, quiet voice most times, unless, of course, it's screaming at you, which it does sometimes. Um, but intuitive knowings or intuitive hits feel very calm and clear and simple for the most part. And I think that a lot of times we ask ourselves, well, how do I know it's my fear voice and my intuitive voice? And I'm going to refer you guys to um, Kim Salter's podcast, Design Thoughts Connection, because she has great episodes on this topic specifically. But your fear voice is like when you are questioning things. Um, maybe you have a lot of what ifs or um, if I do this and what if this happens, like those thoughts are not your intuitive voice. Those are coming from fear. So it takes some practice to decipher between the two. But also what she she is asking is about figuring out what blocks you may have that are keeping you from connecting with your intuition. So I think one way this could come up is if you have a block in your solar plexus, which is the area right above your belly button and just below your rib cage, like kind of the center of your belly there is your solar plexus. And this is where your personal power is. Um, it's one of your chakras. I think I talked about chakras a little bit in the Reiki episode, the previous episode. So check back in there if you missed it. But um, your solar plexus is one of one of the centers of your intuition. As I said, your intuition can also come through in your mind's eye. So that would be your um, third eye, which is another chakra just in the center of your forehead between your brows. Um, so those two places, I believe if there were blocks there, yes, your intuition might be clouded or you not be able to tune into it as deeply. And I don't know if there's a specific way to know if your intuition is blocked, unless you just don't feel like if you're feeling like you can't make decisions about anything, if you are asking people's opinions on everything you do, that's probably a good sign that you're not able to tune into your itu- intuition. So this is not like super clear <laughs> because everyone is going to be different. And I do believe that if you have a block anywhere in your body and energy is not able to flow freely, this could probably happen to you. But your intuition is not gone. It's still there. There's just, I think, other energy built up that's keeping you from feeling it. So you're never without it. I'll just say that. Um, And of course, an amazing tool, as I said in the last episode, to help clear energetic blocks in your body would be Reiki or any other type of energy healing you can check out that you feel called to. Um, But one amazing practice you can do to just continuing to tune into your intuition and get practice in tuning into your intuition and like trusting that voice is 
when someone asks you something so simple, like, what movie would you like to see? Like, we're going to the movie theater. What movie would you like to see? Giving your actual opinion, the first thing that comes to you, your gut feeling, and actually verbalizing that and speaking up and telling people what you want. That is one great way. Something as simple as that, which you're like, really, that's it? That any example like that, like if someone asks you where you would like to eat, like giving your true opinion, the first thing that comes through that calm, intuitive voice that tells you what it is you truly want. Because we honestly, most of the time we do know, we know what we want, but it's those feelings of, I want to please everyone. What would they want to do? You know, not wanting to choose the wrong thing, right? But making a practice of actually trusting that voice and trusting self and truly saying it what it is you want will help strengthen that bond with your intuition and allow you to hear it and feel it more clearly in the future. So that's my thoughts on that. I hope that was helpful. Um, the next question that was coming in is, how can I tell if my loved one's energy is around me versus my own energy? And I love, love, love this question. So it's interesting because I love hearing what questions you guys have (laughs) because it helps me kind of gauge what kind of content you guys are enjoying and want to know more about on the show. So I love this question because it's, of course, about connecting in with our loved ones in spirit. And it's a really, really good one. And I'm not sure that I fully like covered this on the podcast of like, how can you tell, right? We know we can ask for signs, we can see signs, like, of course, we know that's them. But what other ways can we tell if our loved ones are around us and if it's their energy versus our own? Um, so let's start with what it means to feel your own energy, what your own energy feels like. Um, one way that I kind of discovered how to do this is going into meditation. And I know meditation is not for everyone, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but... Um, one thing I did is practice going into or just sitting in a quiet space, going to meditation and expanding my own energy from my body and just sitting in that space. So a lot of people will call this sitting in the power. Um, you can look up sitting in the power exercises on YouTube meditations for this, but basically what it means is sitting in quiet music or no music, however you prefer, and you can use do this from your heart space or any other energy center that you feel called to. I recommend your heart or your solar plexus. And imagine that energy in that space expanding through your body, outside of your body, in the room that you're in, you know, over your house, over the city. Like you can expand this light as, as far as you feel called to. And then sitting in that space and just feeling what your energy feels like, truly. And keep doing this practice over and over and you'll start to recognize what your own energy feels like. So when another energy is coming in, if you're around another energy, so like, um, for instance, when you walk into a room and let's say before you walked into the room, two people had been in there and they've been fighting, right? Most of the time we know when we walk into a room, you can, you're like, 
ooh, I can feel like I feel like there's an elephant in the room or you could hear a pin drop in here. Like you can feel the tension in the room. That is the energy of the other people in the room and what has just occurred between them. So tuning into another energy and feeling that is a prime example of feeling something different than your own energy. You know, that's not you. You just walked into this room. You know, that's not coming from you. That is the energy of the people in this room. So that's a great example of what it's like to feel someone else's energy. So when you are feeling your loved one's energy, this can come through in a lot of different ways, right? You might see a feather on the ground, right? They might show up with signs. You might also feel, um, this might sound a little out there to some, to some of you, but I have felt my partner's um, like warmth or like tingles, like around, like almost as if he was holding me or giving me a hug. I have felt that within meditation. Um, there's so many different ways they come through with songs. Um, typically, I say like, if you look at something, hear something, feel something and immediately think of them, that is their energy coming through. So start to notice when they come to your mind out of the blue. That's probably means their energy is around you. And then in those moments, you just have to kind of have that awareness and you can tune in and feel like and feel what their energy is like and how it's different from yours. Um, Of course, I think a lot of times how you knew them here in the physical world will tell you a lot about what their energy feels like. Um, It should feel pretty similar to how they were here in the physical world. Of course, they are a beautiful, healed, enlightened (laughs) version of themselves. So it might feel a little bit different, a little bit higher vibration, which is beautiful. Um, But typically, spirit's energy feels like love and gratitude and joy and it feels good and warm and cozy and (laughs) all these beautiful things. But it just takes some practice. Um, For me, meditation has been the best to do this, to try and feel um, my loved one's energy. But they can show up in a lot of different ways, as I said, through signs, songs, dreams, all of that is them showing up in their energy. So I said we would talk about meditation a little bit later because I got this really great question on meditation. And a lot of you might relate to this, especially if you're just kind of starting out in this uh, spiritual realm. So this person asks, I want to try meditation, but my mind is racing and I can't sit still. What tips do you have? So I love this question because I think so many of us talk about meditation so nonchalant and casually as if everyone's been doing it forever. And really, that's not the case. Um, I'll say I started meditating. Oh, my gosh. I think it was like probably one to two years before Jared passed. And and I don't even mean like this was not like serious at all. Like I had this app on my phone called Simple Habit, which I absolutely still love that app. There's so many great ones out there. I loved this one because it was free and it had really like brief meditations on it that were guided that I would do. And a lot of the um, people on the recordings had accents, which I really enjoyed for some reason. <laughs> so um, I would, I didn't even do it religiously. I think 
the biggest streak I had at one point was like 20 days in a row, which I think was a big accomplishment for me at the time. But I would, they had ones for when you were driving, they had ones to fall asleep, they had ones like to do before a workout, you know, I would just try all these different really brief, like five to 10 minute meditations. So just um, guided meditations where you're sitting and listening to an audio track with music. And I really, really enjoyed that. And that was kind of my first taste of it. I highly recommend if you are kind of unsure on where to start, an app or something like that is a great place to get your feet wet. Um, so if you are someone who you have a racing mind, it's really hard for you to sit still. Maybe you identify as someone who has um, ADD or ADHD, and it's a little bit difficult for you to be in that space for a long period of time, I highly recommend like trying meditation in very short bursts. So like set a three minute timer, start with three minutes, start with one minute if you have to, of just sitting in quiet with your own thoughts. Maybe you do need a guided track. I highly recommend that as well because it helps kind of keep you um, focused when you can focus on someone's voice. And that might be a really good place to start. Also, um, there's also no rule that says you have to meditate. If meditating doesn't feel good to you, there is no reason that you have to meditate. Um, I have my um, Reiki master teacher, Steph. My gosh, I, I must mention her in every single episode. I know that she is someone who never meditates. It just doesn't feel good to her. She's never had to do it. And she's an energy worker, just like me. Um, so she finds other ways to connect in, right? So for you, maybe going for a walk feels better than a meditation. Maybe going for a run. Maybe that's where you are able to quiet your mind and just focus on the task at hand and be in your thoughts. Um, or maybe that's where you have really creative ideas and downloads come through, right? So meditation is not the end-all be-all, but if that's something you really do feel called to do, I say start small, so anywhere from three to five minutes, and do it frequently. Try it every single morning, every single night before bed if you can. It's a great way to wind down before bed also. Um, and work your way up. You know, I think for the first... Uh, probably three months or so, I always did a guided meditation. I would search for guided meditations on YouTube before I went to bed every night. And I would do different ones for like third eye opening. I would do like, oh, like heart chakra music. You know, I would do all sorts of different things, all of them guided. So someone speaking a track or a um, a script, I'm sorry, as, as the music's playing to guide you through this beautiful... Um, you know, inner work. And that, that worked for me. That set me up for, that set me up for success so that eventually I could just pop on, you know, any old track of music and be able to sit there and go in, um, into meditation. But I can also do it now without music. So it's, it's been a gradual process and I've been doing this religiously for, I don't know, two and a half to three years. So it takes time. So just be, you know, just be gentle with yourself. And if you really don't feel like it's working for you, like try something different. 
like maybe you are just a a hiker or a walker, or maybe even um, sitting in the bath feels good to you instead of sitting in meditation. That's totally fine. Wherever you feel like you're able to connect in with source or with your guides, maybe that is just actually being in church. You know, meditation is not the end all be all, as I said. Okay. So the next question is, what is the difference between a synchronicity and a coincidence? (laughs) So this question is interesting because I feel like society has made us think that these are two different things and they are absolutely not. I use synchronicity. Now I use, okay, so before, before Jared, before grief, before um, becoming more attuned with my guides and energy work, I use the word coincidence, right? That was the word I used to describe all the things that I experience now, but I call them a synchronicity now. So it's really just a change of language, in my opinion. Um, you might meet someone who has a different opinion, and that's I'm totally open to hearing that as well. But for me, in my point of view, I believe that a coincidence and a synchronicity are the ex- exact same thing. So an example of this is, say you and your spouse are having a conversation and you're talking about someone that you haven't seen in 10 years. Like all of a sudden it comes up in conversation. You're like, oh, remember, th- remember that time we did this with so-and-so? And then the next day you get a phone call from that so-and-so out of the blue, right? That is a synchronicity. You might've called it a coincidence. That's okay. It's the same thing. <laughs> um, another example could be like, oh, for me right now, I've been I've been having a synchronicity, and that is that I keep seeing the book, The Four Agreements, everywhere. I keep being shown this book over and over and over again, which, yes, before I would have just said, weird, like, what a coincidence that other person just told me about this book. You know, um, a week ago, my best friend showed me that she ordered this book, The Four Agreements, and I was like, oh, yes, I've heard of this. I had heard of this book years ago, okay? Never read it. I knew it was good. It was highly recommended, but never felt called to order it, right? She shows me the book that she's reading. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. I kind of forgot about that book. And then this morning, I'm scrolling on Facebook, and a friend of mine from a while back, who I haven't seen in a while, he posted that he was reading the book, The Four Agreements, that he had just dived into it. I was like, oh, so interesting. Meg's reading the same book. Then this morning, so this is the same day we're talking about. This morning, I am listening to the We Can Do Hard Things podcast with Glennon Doyle. And they they bring up the book, The Four Agreements. I kid you not, twice in one day, I was like, okay, well, that's it. That means I need to order it. When something keeps popping up, right, it seems like it's a coincidence. It's not. <laughs> it means that you are being sent a message or, um, you know, the universe is showing you how connected it is, right? So like the example I was talking about before of you talking about someone the next day they call you, like the universe is showing you how truly connected we all are and that the universe is paying attention, listening, um, putting people and things in your path on purpose. So, The next time you want to call something a coincidence, feel free to call it a synchronicity. It's the same thing. 
<laughs> okay, so this next question, I think it's going to probably be our last question. Um, so this question says, has it been hard telling potential partners you're a widow? And um, it's interesting getting this question because I always wonder the uh, like what people are you know, we all wonder what people are thinking about us, right? Where we are in our journey, like what each of us are up to. Like, so with this question, I'm like, oh, people think I'm dating, right? <laughs> people must think I'm dating to get this question. Um, not really dating very much. No, haven't been on many dates here this year, um, like zero this year. But um, what I'll say is in my very brief experiences in the past, when I have met someone and gone out with them for the first time. I personally have chosen to, if I feel like it's warranted, tell someone, like, if I think the date is going well, I feel like it's important to bring up the fact that I'm a widow or that I was previously engaged and my partner passed, right? However, I feel called to say it in the moment. If widow feels like too heavy, heavy of a word, which sometimes it does for someone, right? I'm 32 years old. Like, it's kind of odd for me to like call myself a widow, but at the same time, I do identify as that, right? But if I'm so, if I'm on a date and it's going well, and I'm like, I think I want to have a second date with this person, I'm probably more inclined to bring it up. Whereas, like, if I'm talking to someone for the first time and they ask me my dating history, and I'm like, I don't really know what I feel about them yet, I don't need to tell them. I'm going to keep that to myself because this is my story. If you've lost a par- partner too, this is your story and you get to choose who is privileged to that information, okay? So don't ever feel pressured like you have to tell anyone right away. You can do this however you want to. I choose, to, I feel like I would prefer to tell people early on. And one reason is because I feel like it's a really good gauge of people's emotional capacity. So when I tell them, if there is zero reaction, right? They just completely like let the comment or the fact that I've just told them this big thing like glaze over and they change the subject. That shows me that they're probably very uncomfortable with emotional topics or they don't have the emotional capacity for grief or anything like that. So it's a good tell on how people will react in future situations um, and future emotional conversations. So that's one reason why I will tell people a little bit earlier than maybe some others would. I just don't feel like it needs to be this big like bomb that I drop, even though it can feel like that for sure. Um, But I'll say thus far in the couple interactions that I've had, dates that I've been on, like people are pretty receptive to it. I think I only had like one experience where the person just didn't even like, you know, kind of was just like, Oh, and like change the subject, you know, like, <laughs> which kind of hurts a little bit in the moment because like we want it. I mean, there's a huge, huge part of me that wants it to be acknowledged, right? It's not the same as like just breaking up with someone, you know, like this is a huge uh, life changing moment that happened to me. And I'm sure you all feel the same if you're listening. And we don't want it just to be brushed off. We would like it to be acknowledged in some way, even if that's just like, oh, wow, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Or that you experience that. Like something so simple like that can mean a lot. Um, 
so it'll be interesting in the future, like to see how this shows up. Um, I do feel like I am trying to get back out there. Like, it's not like I'm not trying. I've just gone back and forth with like, do I want to be on apps? Do I not want to be on apps? Do I want to, I want to meet my person in real life. And, um, that's hard because it means having to go out a lot and be in the world. And I'm like, I love being in my cozy home and my PJs, you know, or hanging out with my girlfriends. And so I'm trying to just let the universe guide me with this. And just like I will do with each and every conversation. And I may share it sometimes and I may not. And if someone um, doesn't react well, then you know what? They're not for me. And that's, that's okay. And if they react really, really well and are interested and want to talk about it or give me space to talk about it, like that's a really great sign, you know? So it's like I said, it's just going to be a really good um, tell of people's emotional capacity, right? So if you're moving through this and you have lost a partner and you're dating again for the first time, um, don't worry so much about the timing or how you're going to tell people I think it does come up naturally in conversation in my experience, and it doesn't have to be this big dramatic thing. I think it's actually easier to talk about if the other person can can see that you can talk about it so easily, if that makes sense. So if you're able to just casually talk about it without um, making it this big dramatic moment, I think it makes it a little bit easier for the other person to understand and know that you're open to talking about it. So that's just my two cents on that. Um, Everyone's experience is going to be different. Everyone's going to feel different about it. Some people might not tell someone for six months. I don't know. I don't know how you keep that private, but (laughs) who knows? Whatever feels good to you, you do you, boo. Um, Okay. That was all the questions I picked out to answer today. Um, if you want to get in on the next Q&A, make sure you are following me on Instagram at intuitively underscore Elise. And I always have this listed in the show notes, but I am booking more guests to record on this show. So if you are someone who has gone through a spiritual awakening after the loss of a loved one, I would love to hear from you if you feel like you're ready to share your story and we can have a fun chat about all the beautiful things you've experienced after loss, as well as, um, you know, the harder stuff too. We talk about all the things here. So feel free to reach out to me. My email is always in the show notes and I will see you all next week. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Okay, friends, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Grief Awakening Podcast. If you liked this episode, be sure to leave it a rating and a review, and don't forget to hit that plus sign button or the follow button so you don't miss another episode. As always, any resources mentioned during this episode will be listed in the show notes below. And if you'd like to reach out to me, feel free to do so via email or on Instagram at intuitively underscore Elise. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.